short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Well, welcome back to the Cold War Show, Ray. Episode one ninety. Uh, we Namaste. survived. Yes, we survived the uh, last show with uh, guest Richard Lim. Right. Yeah. Now, what people yeah. don't know about that show, because you edited it all out. <laughs> right. I'm the peacemaker. Was that right. uh, Richard got very unhappy with me during the recording of that episode and uh, lost his shit a little bit with me for arguing or pushing back on all of his points. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, which you edited out, right. he said, it was nice talking to you, Ray, and then hung up. <laughs> well, was, oh, I should have left that in. That was the sincere I part. can't yeah. believe you edited out all the, uh, the Richard Lim's meltdown on the show. That, to me, was yeah. the most fun I've had all week. I, well. I could not be happier after that. I told my mother who was here, Chrissy, my sons right. later when I saw them, oh, my God, I just, <laughs> just nearly a made, a guy, I just made a guy cry. By pushing back. It was uh, so funny. Yeah. Americans, well, now you man. Know, now you know what it would be like to do a show with a very patriotic American. And, and that's not fun <laughs> for anybody. So, you know, let's well, just, yeah. yeah, we'll stick yeah. to our routine. Stick to you, yeah. All right, so. Yeah, yes. Uh, we are taking a break in our CIA series, as mm-hmm. uh, or, promised. Or Kia, right? Kia. Yeah, that's yeah. how you, the Greeks would have pronounced it, Kia. Right. Uh, or in uh, Italian, it'd be Chia. Uh, C-I like is Chi. Chisono, there are in Italian. Chia. Right. Or horny. Chia. Ch-ch-ch-chia. Weren't they like hairy rocks, hairy things in America? Like chia seed Not rock things? Unlike, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought you were talking about my testicles. Um, yes. Ray and I were just little... comparing uh, uh, heart attack stories before this. <laughs> We're both going to die. Yeah. We're both yeah. going to die. Probably Richard, gonna die first? Richard. Well, Richard Lim probably come after me, I think. Yeah. So um, that's cheating, though. That's cheating. Anyway, go ahead. That's cheating. Yeah. So we're going back to Korea. We're going yeah. to pick up the Korean song? War story. <laughs> I'm going, <laughs> going back to Korea, <laughs> to Korea. To Korea. To Korea. I'm going back to Korea. Huh. I don't Forget think the so. Kia. Right. Yeah. Going back to Korea. To North Korea. Korea. South Korea. CIA. Trumania. Um, um, MacArthur's on point. Uh, so just a quick recap. So, look, yes. the last time we talked about the Korean War uh, specifically right. was episode 132, September 2019. So it's been been a, almost a couple of years. Pre-COVID. Oh, totally pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. back in the days of rock and roll. Um so I'm gonna. So let's start with a quick recap because I don't remember, Ray doesn't remember, and I'm guessing, dear listeners, you don't remember. Uh, so uh, as I had to point out to Richard Lim, uh, in 1950, North and South Korea weren't really two separate countries. I mean, they were and they weren't really. Right. The reason right. Korea was divided goes back to an agreement made in 1945 for the US and Moscow 
the US mm-hmm. and the Soviets to right. jointly remove the Japanese in Korea and this is important yep. then to work together to reunify the country. Right. Exactly. Japan had annexed Korea back in 1910 mm-hmm. uh, and after defeating the well, they defeated the Chinese in the first Sino-Japanese War, 1894 to 1895. And then they right. defeated the Russians in the Russo-Japanese War, 1904 to 1905. Kicking then they'd ass. taken Korea. And so in 1945, it was divided along the 38th parallel just because it was kind of the halfway line. Soviets helped out right. in the north. Americans helped out in the south just for convenience. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Do you thing disagree the... with anything so far, my American oh, co-host? Pretty much. No, uh, no. The, the Americans were busy with uh, trying to gear up for the invasion of, uh, of Japan, the four main islands. They're like, we really don't have time to be worried about the mainland. Russians, you go in there. Uh, but And I think you said this on the previous episode back in 2019. The Russians said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll handle this. You go invade the, the islands. Unfortunately, the Russians were a little too good, a little too quick, and the Americans started going, oh, shit, what did we just do by inviting them into Korea? So after the war, Syngman Rhee was the U.S.'s hand-picked ruthless dictator of the South, and That's Kim Il-sung was the Soviet-backed ruthless dictator of the North. <laughs> You're not and wrong. Both, and, and, and this is an important point, because I think yes. like a lot of Americans uh, probably don't understand this, and we did go into this in depth in our earlier episodes, but Syngman Rhee was... Hadn't lived in Korea for like 32 years. He'd lived in the United States for that time. His, he was yes. a fundamentalist uh, Christian. His whole goal in life was to get the Japanese out of Korea and to be the, 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 the dictator, president, whatever of Korea, that, to run Korea. Right. That was his right. mission. And he managed to get the US to support him in doing that. But he was very unpopular in Korea, yes. in South Korea, very unpopular, in the North as well, very unpopular throughout all of Korea. And even the Americans didn't like Syngman Rhee, apart from <laughs> a handful of the guys st- that gave him the job. Exactly. The State Department didn't like him because they knew he was unqualified and he was a bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Tyrannical? Uh, p- yes. Pretty hardcore. Pretty hardcore. He was, yeah. the troops, the, the South Korean troops didn't like him, the people no. didn't like him. But he, he and Kim both wanted reunification as soon as possible. Nobody wanted their country. They didn't want their country divided up. They, it's not like they exactly. were like, okay, you have the North and I'll have the South and New. everyone will be happy. But <laughs> neither side was prepared to let the other side right. dominate a unified Korea. Syngman Rhee and the US didn't want a communist Korea. The Soviets and Kim and the North didn't want a capitalist Korea. Right. And it was more important, I think, for the Soviets, though. A friendly Korea, and this is important to understand if you want to understand this in historical and, and geopolitical context. Yeah, A friendly Korea offered the Soviets warm water ports, as I've gone on and on and on and on and on about throughout this series. Right. It's important. Uh, Russia, pre the Soviet Union, and then Russia in the Soviet Union, they're, they're one of them, the, the most important things, the two big Important things for Russia before the Soviet Union, before the Mm. communists, and afterwards were... What are they, Ray? Warm water ports. And? Uh, 
uh, not getting their ass kicked or invaded by Western Europe? I don't know. Buffer zone. Buffer yes. zone. I, I was in the area. Buffer zone and yeah. warm water ports. It's yeah. it's it's that, these are cr- critical issues for their domestic security and their economic security. Right? They yeah. need to be able to. They need to be able to get shit in and out of their country via sea. To do that, they need warm water ports. Right. Now, keep in mind that the US, by, by the time the Korean War started, had occupied Japan, mm-hmm. yep. which threatened Soviet access to ports in Vladivostok. Yes. And yes. the US planned to keep those troops in Japan there indefinitely. Yeah. Douglas MacArthur's thesis was that, this is a a quote, American armed forces must be retained in Japan for the duration of the Cold War at no less than their present occupation strength, whatever the decision on a theoretical separate peace treaty with the Japanese. Right. But that's not going to matter what he wants or what he thinks, not that he's... Wrong because he's not. If if you want to keep your threat to, uh, if you want to keep a knife to the Russians' throat, you keep a whole bunch of troops in Japan and in southern Korea. But after the war, the American government, Truman, is going to start cutting back massively. You know, discharging the uh, soldiers, bringing them home. Like I said when we were talking to Richard, uh, at the peak at the end of World War II, we had 12 million men in uniform. Very quickly after that, it was like 1.6 million. So the generals in, in South Korea and in Japan could want all they want, but Truman and the politicians are going to cut back. And so the very thing that they're trying to do, which is make the ro- Russians toe the line, they can't back that up anymore because their military, their tanks, their artillery, their planes, all that stuff, bit by bit, is being taken away from them. But it's still their job to somehow stand up to uh, communist uh, Russia. Mm. And when did the US finally pull all of their troops out of Japan, Ray? Mm. I'm not very good at pulling out. Hold on one second. Was that 47 or 48? No, it was never. No, do you, know how, many US, do you well, know how many US troops are currently in Japan, Ray? Oh, you said in Japan. I'm sorry. Um, 7,000. I have no idea. I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, multiply that by uh, as I've told eight. you, I don't pull out and I don't multiply. Actually, if I pull out, I wouldn't multiply so much. Anyway, go the ahead. U.S. currently has roughly fifty-five thousand troops stationed in Japan. You're welcome. Is that the response you were looking? The U.S. For? occupied Japan at the end of World War II, and it has continued to occupy it ever since. They go, oh, sure, they have elections. Sure, they have elections. They have freedom. Freedom. Now 55,000 troops sitting there. Don't look at that. It's nothing. That's got nothing to do with keeping a boot on their neck. (laughs) And they're not allowed to have an army. But apart from that, (laughs) that's not an occupation. If the Soviets did it, if Russia did it, if China did it, that would be an occupation. When America does it, they asked us to have their troops there. Freedom-loving people. here's a... Yeah. Here's a document that they signed where they ask us, beg us, in fact, to keep our troops there. What? What's that? What are those? That's blood. Right. Yeah, look, there is some blood on that. Do- I don't know <laughs> I thought I'd where that blood now. came from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but That's yeah. not. No. What yeah. are you talking about, Cameron? You're crazy. Now, I, I do want to be pro-American for a second and say I don't have the, the, the dates, and you probably have them, Cam. I know that the Soviets pulled out their troops from North Korea before the Americans pulled out our troops, you know, the, the majority of them in South 
Korea, but they did leave behind for Kim Il-sung a whole bunch of tanks, bombers, and artillery, and, and uh, motorized vehicles, which, of course, is going to come into play later. So, um, yes, the Soviets well, left. Well, that's only Wait, polite. When you, when you go oh, to visit somebody's house, you take, a bottle, a bottle you take a bottle of wine. You take a bottle of wine and some flowers. You don't take it back when you leave. That would, like, even if the right. bottle's only half drunk, right. you don't take Put it. You go, no, 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 you, go, you got it. your bottle. No, no, you keep it. You keep it. It's fine. It's no, fine. We got plenty. No, we got plenty. You keep it. That's just polite. They're just being neighborly. Okay. And if it's a $50 million. No, in all seriousness. Okay. Right, right. Back to warm water ports. Mm. Um, Soviets Good. needed them. Yes. The America had already occupied Japan, and as far as the Soviets knew, and according to MacArthur, they were going to stay there forever, and in fact, they did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from, from MacArthur's perspective, and I, and I think from the US strategy perspective um, over time, was mm-hmm. that if the Cold War turned hot, they wanted to have a base in Asia, at least one. Right. Ideally, several. Yes. Um and, you know, uh, here's a quote from, uh, I think this is from MacArthur. I didn't make a note, but I've got a link to a newspaper article. Um, it said, yes, a journalist uh, called Richard Hughes, uh, who interviewed MacArthur. Uh, at the time, he said uh, existing occupation bases in Japan, might see, they call it occupation bases, were held to be essential for American interception of Soviet bombers flying over the roof of the world to attack American cities and for effective counterattack on Soviet air bases in the Vladivostok area. Yeah. So it was, they were verbally saying in the late 40s that they were going to keep massive amount of US troops in Japan so they could defend America from the Soviets and attack Vladivostok. Yes. Now, the the other Soviet sort of warm water port on that side was Port Arthur, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Dalian, we've talked about in our earlier episodes, which is just north of North Korea, right. on the China side now. Um, and so if the US took all of Korea, they mm. would then have a base right Great. next to Port Arthur. Exactly. So they could have uh, blocked both of those warm water bases. So it was important for, and you know, Stalin obviously agreed uh, at Potsdam with Truman that the Soviets would invade Japan too in August 1945. So the plan was that they would uh, both occupy Japan initially. Yeah. um, Same as Korea. Uh, but then Truman pulled out his sneaky nukes and nuked Japan, and uh, so there was no reason for the Soviet invasion. Exactly. And so the US managed to keep that one all for themselves. So the whole North Korea thing, yes, it's it's very important to the Soviets uh, for economic as well as uh, security reasons. Right. Now, by the way, uh, the Soviets occupied Port Arthur, uh, for uh, during World War II. It was liberated by them in World War II. Right. In 1950, they presented the city to the Chinese government oh. uh, without any compensation. No. And then they pulled their last troops out a few years later, I think, 55. Yeah. The US, on the other hand, didn't really give a shit about South Korea. No. Well, see, just real quick, um, just to, because I find this interesting. So you're right, the Soviets... The Soviets um, Deservedly so, are concerned about warm water ports because you have to have trade. You got to be able to do business. You know, the money makes the world go round. I get all that, but at the same time, we we covered the last time we talked about this. We covered that for right now, and the Americans don't know this. 
Korea is not that important to Stalin. It's it's important to Kim Il-sung. It might be important to Mao. I don't know. But for Stalin, he's like, yeah, you know, it's a concern, but it's not my big thing. And I'm certainly not going to go to war with the United States. And maybe it's a nuclear war over some you know, fucking Korea, let's be honest. So, But again, America doesn't know that. So it's important to Russia, but it's not that important. But the Americans don't know that. And the great irony is that at first, it really wasn't that important to Americans. But uh, to the American government, excuse me. But as the tensions start to harden between Moscow and Berlin, it becomes more important to Truman. And so this becomes a place where Truman can prove how tough he is. So it, it takes a couple of years, but their positions evolve over time. And suddenly, without really Stalin knowing about it, Truman is ready to go to town, go to war over over uh, Korea so he can look tough because, again, he's getting attacked on the right. Um, McCarthyism is starting to, to, to get started by 1950. So so again, this is um, Truman's opportunity. It's disproportional to what's going on on the ground, but it's important to Truman. Yeah, exactly. For a whole bunch of yeah, it's convoluted. domestic political reasons. And also, you know, as we'll get into it, like he just passed NSC 68. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a very aggressive view of uh, communism that yes. we'll explore. Right. As did most of the American um, political leadership at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1947, as you hinted at earlier on, Stalin suggested that both the Soviets and the U.S. should pull their troops out and let Korea sort it out, and the U.S. basically refused. Um, Going into Korea, the U.S. State Department had concocted this plan. Here's a quote from one of their documents. The U.S. strategy to participate in the occupation, military government, and trusteeship was formed according to an objective to extend America's sphere of influence to a country bordering the Soviet Union, whereby halting Soviet expansion. Ah. So there was a very deliberate strategy on behalf of the U.S. policy guys Mm -hmm. to uh, surround the U.S. as part of the containment, George Kennan containment strategy idea, right? Yes. So... um, they weren't going to give up. You know, they figured that, I mean, Stalin and the US both figured that if they all pulled their troops out, the North would probably take over the South. Yes. Kim would probably win right. because he was better prepared, um, probably had more loyal soldiers. He was a hero. Let's remember that Kim Il-sung was a war hero. He had yeah. spent his entire life fighting the Japanese, a lot of great victories. He was a legend. A le- he was like... Ho Chi Minh or uh, Castro right. or, you know, one of these, or even, you know, well, Stalin to a lesser extent. Yeah. But he was a real, or, or, or um, Tito, right? Yes. Probably Tito's yes. the best example. Yes. Good he one. was a genuine uh, war hero who had fought yes. uh, one uh, international occupation of his country. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way he's letting another country... <laughs> Uh, occupy his country, right. meaning the US. Now, you know, you might say that, well, he was allowing the Soviets to occupy the country, but I don't think he saw it that way. And, you know, he right. would have, I think he would have fought against that. You know, he'd fought the Japanese. I think he's going to fight anyone who wants to um, uh, mm. o- occupy yeah. his country. Yeah. And just, anyway, so oh, the, yeah. And, and just, again, so you're right. So he's this, hands-on experienced war hero. Now he's got the backing of the Soviet Union who are highly organized in North Korea. I mean, the Soviets, you can say whatever you want, but they know how to organize a fucking territory. 
compare that to Re, and I won't I won't rehash this, but Re when he and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but when Re is finally in charge, he makes everybody kowtow to him. He gets the police on his side, he gets the constabulary on his side, and everybody has to be one hundred percent loyal. If you're not, you are out. He has these goon squads going around roughing up everybody who is not conservative. So again, you've got war hero Kim. Tyrant uh, re and so yeah. If everybody did leave, it might take some time. But I think you're right. I think North Korea would eventually have taken over the entire peninsula because re was just so much the wrong guy for the job. Yeah. So the U.S. took the issue to the newly formed United Nations, right? And because they didn't want the communists to take hold in 1948, the U.S. in alliance with the UN created the Republic of Korea. Yay. In the South. Now, North Korea right. refused to acknowledge that the UN had any right in determining the future of their country. They're yes. like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> uh, this is our country. You don't get to you don't yeah. get to divide up our country. Who are you? Exactly. Britain and France after World War One in Palestine? Right. No. You don't get to d- determine how big our country is or where we get to live. It's our fucking country. Right. Shut the fuck up. And fuck the, off. And the South Koreans weren't any happier. Some of them weren't any happier. They're like, yeah, literally, you foreigners, get the fuck out. We'll figure this out. Well, I think the South, uh, particularly Ree, was happy with it because happy, it yeah. gave him a justification right. to keep the U.S. and maybe get the U.S. Civil war between the North and the South was going to break out, and he was not, probably not going to win. He needed help. He needed support. And so he was looking for any sort of justification to get that. Yeah. Now, South Korea at the time had a U.S. governor and fell under Douglas MacArthur's control of the Asia-Pacific. And uh, the U.N. were still deliberating about what they should do in in terms of the Mm -hmm. unification of Korea and all that kind of stuff. Re, with the backing of his U.S. masters, decided to force the issue and preemptively held elections in the South. Now, uh, there were uh, a lot of different political parties involved in that, including some communist parties that were quite strong and some other nationalist and independent parties. In the lead-up to the elections, uh, roughly 600 people were killed, 10,000 people were arrested. It was uh, not a smooth and fair election, but at the end of the day, Rhee's party and the other right-wing parties won the majority and declared themselves an independent country. So Rhee, the guy who had lived in the USA for the last 32 years, had a cosy and dodgy relationship with the US military, handpicked by the US military, became the first president of South Korea. Hooray for democracy and freedom. Right. Re and General Hodge, or you can say the Americans in general, were taking advantage of the fact that Kim, the communist in general in North Korea, were um, boycotting this vote. They they, they boycotted the UN um, trying to do this. And so Kim, uh, so Re was like, this is perfect. We'll go ahead and we'll push this through. So what was simply a dividing line on a map that served no other purpose than, than uh, during a, a war measure now becomes this hard line political um Epic, uh, political line where there's now two entities. And like you said, they both hate each other. They don't want the other side to win. And they both got big guys backing them up. And so, but the point is now, Re is now uh, the president. And the Americans are like, okay, our job is, is done. In June of 1949, the, the United States is going to pull out their troops 
except for about 500 or so men so they can stay behind and be advisors and trainers. And yes, I'm doing air quotes because that's one of the oldest excuses in the book. These are just guys we're leaving behind just, just to help you modernize everything. But America still has an interest in this new South Korean government. Yeah. <clears throat> now, this is a bit like, I think, the Taiwan issue uh, that I mm-hmm. got into with uh, Liam Bussell briefly on Bullshit Filter the other day. Right. I mean, if you just take somebody's house and go, well, it's my house now and I'm going to have a vote and everyone, all of my friends in the house have decided that this is now our house, right? that doesn't really hold up in uh, wins, law. Right? And right. I, I don't think it holds up. <laughs> I don't think it holds up in international law <clears throat> either. Good, good you can't just, uh, you know, take a place and yeah. go. Well, this is ours now. Like, yes, there is. <clears throat> there is this question of Tibbs. Uh, there is this question <laughs> of um, uh, people. You know, self determination of the people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but. It doesn't really work like that. You can't just right. steal a place and say it's yours because you've had a vote and you've all agreed that it's now yours. I mean, it's the same thing with Israel and it's the same thing with Taiwan and it's the same thing with uh, North and South Korea. These countries that uh, get divided just because a group of people turn up one day and go, well, this is ours now, and they get the backing of some international bodies to say, sure, you can have that. The right. people that were already there or believe that they own that go, oh, hey, fuck, what? Oi. Hold on a second. Oi. This was this was going on at the time with Taiwan or Formosa, it was known at the time. Right. Chiang Kai-shek and the Kuomintang had, uh, that was their last, you know, holdout. Bastion. They'd run to Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, Mao hadn't done anything to take it yet because he didn't want to get the US, he didn't want to get into a war with the US either. Right. Uh, but there was this expectation on behalf of, Taiwan at the Formosa at the time and the US mm-hmm. that at some point Mao and the communists would try and take Formosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another reason why they were really interested in having a lot of troops uh, based in Asia so they could you know get involved in these sorts of conflicts if and when they they um, happened. Mm-hmm. Now at the swearing in ceremony of Kim as the first uh, sorry not Kim Rhee as the first president of South Korea, mm-hmm. US flag was lowered over the Capitol building in Seoul. New South Korean flag designed by Barry and Stan was erected, <laughs> and General Hookers Douglas MacArthur him right. D- General Douglas MacArthur delivered a speech in which he told Koreans. An right. artificial barrier has divided your land. This barrier must and shall be torn down. That's a so, threat? No, well, even after, the point I right. want to make, right, for Richard Lim's benefit, even after the establishment of the Republic of Korea, South Korea, yeah. MacArthur is saying, you know, no, yes, we need, to, yeah. we need to unify the country. Everyone... Right. Yeah. agreed that they needed to unify the country. And, of course, the South and the U.S., their plan right. was that they were going to control the North. Right. Okay? This wasn't a one-way thing. It wasn't Absolutely. like, oh, the North invaded the South. Yeah, they, they both wanted to, to invade the other, if you can call it invade, and we can't really right. get into that in a second. But um, in his first meeting with John Foster Dulles, our old friend, um, Ree said that with U.S. support, he <laughs> could take over the North in a few days. So, Re wanted to militarily take over the North. Uh, He discussed it with the US. He believed he he could get US support or did have or could get US support. 
they, yep. they weren't really giving him a lot of support at this juncture, as you said, because they'd pulled troops out and all that kind of stuff. But this yep. is just before NSC 68 gets passed. Uh, John Foster Dulles at the time, by the way, is, uh, he, you know, he's an ex-senator, mm-hmm. uh, private investment banker, uh, very, he's sort of um, the Republican advisor to the Secretary of State at the time right. and uh, Truman's Secretary of State. So he's not Secretary of State. He obviously becomes Secretary of State under um, Eisenhower, Eisenhower a few years later. But he's he's very much in the media. There's a, The media loved Dulles at the time. He was like a bit of a right. rock star. He was like going yeah. everywhere and having meetings. And it was kind of weird, like... Yeah. I can't think of any American civilian these right. days, except maybe uh, well up until the the recent revelations, maybe a Bill Gates. Um, but he was like just flitting around, having meetings yeah. with world leaders, and then yeah. going back to the US and speaking to the media about what the world leaders are saying about what they yeah. like. What the fuck? Who the fuck are you? And why do we care? And, would be my and question. And they're listening. But you're right, they're yeah. listening to him because of his yeah. riches, because of his background, because of his connections. It is unofficial, but it is very much real. Yeah, being, and he, yeah. Lo- like he had been a senator for a couple of years and then he, right. he, got, he lost the election right. in uh, the late 40s, 48, 49, whenever it was. So, anywho, um, yeah. so look, so my point that I want people to remember is both sides wanted to reunify the country and they were both gearing up own, to do it exactly. militarily. Yes, yeah. There were skirmishes along the border for for a couple of years. Um, The North were urging the South to throw Rhee and his cabinet out and declare them traitors because they'd sold the country out to the US, another colonial power. Um, But Rhee had one major weapon uh, to utilise against peaceful unification. The Korean aid bill was passed by U.S. Congress in February 1950, and it carried the proviso that Mm -hmm. aid to Korea would be terminated, quote, in the event of the formation in the Republic of Korea of a coalition government, which includes one or more members of the Communist Party or of the party now in control of the government of North Korea. Damn. So not not that Rhee was willing to share power because he was a maniacal whatever, but but officially he knew he could not share power or try to work things out politically or non-militarily because he would lose all his funding and he would lose his support, financial support from America. So, yeah, any kind of peaceful settlement is not going to happen because of Rhee and because of that bill passed by the United States government. It, there's yeah, no way to work this way out, talk it out. Yeah. It's really important to understand that, like, mm-hmm. if the, you it's know, his argument from the South's perspective was, well, we can't do a peace deal with right. the North and form yeah. a coalition government because then we'll lose all this U.S. money to rebuild, and we need that. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, okay. I, I was just going to say you you, uh, you mentioned this two years ago, but again, everybody needs to remember that because you have two very headstrong leaders, there are a lot of border clashes, and I think. Cam, you mentioned two years ago, it was in May of 1949 when the South actually went two and a half miles into Northern Territory. There's a lot of tension going on. There's a lot of skirmishes. Every time one of these happens, everybody freaks out. Oh, my God, is this it? But fortunately, things back down. But again, it's, uh, it's either 
they don't like each other, they don't trust each other, or they're trying to test each other's defenses. But the point is, there's a lot of actual live firefights and killing going on on the border. This isn't just academic. These two sides are going at each other for years. Yeah. So just one week before the North's attack on the 25th of June, 1950, John Foster Dulles Mm -hmm. visited Seoul and the 38th Parallel. And we talked about this the last time. He gets up and he's looking with binoculars over the border. What's going on? Checky, checky. Looky, looky. Um, Now, if you're the North and you see a very prominent American politician visiting, (laughs) hanging out with Sigmund Rhee, looking over the border with binoculars, probably with American military guys either side of him, what yeah. assumption would you reach, Ray? He's probably, the, I mean, let's be honest, he's a white guy, he's dressed kind of slick, he's got the serial he's probably there to talk about someone's extended warranty. Or he's a spy. Uh, or 50-50? He's, or yeah. he's come to ask if you've heard the good news about Jesus. <laughs> so it's a 33 and a third percent chance for each one of those. But no, still, I'm sure that would freak out the North Koreans. Which we know John Foster Dulles and Sing Marie were both fundamentalist uh, Christians, so they, they didn't to need talk to about. talk about Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> they, they all knew about Jesus. They just, amen. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah, no, you, you, you would quite possibly, quite uh, realistically, right. see that as a threat that, yeah. okay, they're, they're, they're getting ready to attack. Yeah. Anyway, the fighting started at Anjin Peninsula, sort of the western side of the 38th parallel, around 3 or 4 a.m. on June 25th. And, again, as I pointed out on our show with Richard Lim, there is still a great amount of debate about who started it. There's no really conclusive evidence as to who started it. The North claimed that the South started it by attacking Haiju City, which is just north of the 38th parallel. Um, But according to Bruce Cummings, the historian, the evidence for this is still inconclusive, with Mm. the existing evidence pointing both ways. Right. So the North said the South started it and they were just defending themselves. The South said the North started it. Either way, the North launched a full-on attack and with two, within two days they had taken Seoul. Yeah, they had 10 divisions fully armed going down south with no one to stop them. So, yeah, it didn't take very long for them to, to achieve this incredible military victory and hopefully for them political victory. Yeah, there's no one to stop them because the South Korean units mutinied or fled uh, as the North came down. They yeah. they didn't have uh, a lot of weapons. They didn't have a lot of training. Um, they had tennis shoes, the, and they used the rig. The rig government. Stand still, sir, while I throw my shoe at you. The Reed government was very unpopular, as I said before. Mm. Uh, you know, they had been voted out of government just a month earlier. So right. that's how unpopular he was. Yeah. He hurriedly left the city by train and Seoul fell to the north. Now, by month's end, half of the South Korean force yeah. was, either, was either dead, captured, or missing. Right. But Kim's attack on the south gave the U.S. the pretext they needed to ramp up military spending via NSC-68, which had just been passed a couple of months earlier, and to support Rhee by committing one of the classic uh, military blunders, never get involved in a land war in Asia, as I said last time. (laughs) 
Admiral Forrest Sherman, Chief of Naval Operations, later said, I was fully aware of the hazards involved in fighting Asiatics on the Asiatic mainland, which is something that, as a naval officer, I've grown up to believe should be avoided if possible. But they did it anyway. Here we are. Yes, exactly. So now Re is calling his ambassador in the United States all hours of the morning, trying to get a promise, a specific promise of military support from Truman. And Truman's like, well, at first he's like, you know, I, I hear you. Um, I've heard good things about your fighting man. I think things are going to work out. But Because first he wants to go to the UN. But of course, we and Re already know that his army has completely pretty much fallen apart. So Re needs the United States and he needs the United Nations. Or I guess he needs the United States and Truman wants to bring in the United Nations. Which he does. So United Nations Security Council Resolution 83 was pushed through on the 27th of June, 1950, two days after the attack. Mm. And as we pointed out last time, the Soviet Union didn't veto it. Because it was boycotting the Security Council at the time to protest the exclusion of communist China. Uh, Big mistake, really, to just stay out of that. Uh, They should have at least turned up for that vote. At least a veto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least a veto. Even if you just did it via email. Uh, Look, we're not coming because we're not happy, but we want to let you know for the record that we veto it. Just walk in. Thumbs down, walk out, you know, keep your dignity, but get your job done. That's what I reckon. Now, the fact that Truman immediately decided to throw everything he had at Korea shocked not just the Koreans, including the North, and the Soviets and the Chinese, but the British as well. Yes. They were really, no one really expected that the US wanted to get involved in another war, particularly a war in South Korea, which they didn't seem to give a fuck about. Right. Um, they, you know, uh, Dean Acheson had given a speech just like a few days earlier saying, uh, you know, talking about all the important strategic areas for them and South Korea didn't even come up. And when somebody asked him about it, he was like, well, <laughs> yeah, 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 but nah, yeah, it's not yeah. really that big a deal for us, right. which again, uh, may have been seen by Kim as, uh, and, and Stalin and Mao as, uh, yeah. the U.S. sending a message like, Hey, we don't really care if you take the south. We freeze right. a cunt. We'll be fine. It's okay. Um, of course, what it really was was right. what they did to Saddam in uh, in 1990 or 91 when they said, it's okay, you can take Kuwait. We don't really care if you take Kuwait. Fuck Kuwaiti. What have they ever done for us? And then, then he takes Kuwait, and they oh, go, oh, you're taking oh, Kuwait? No. Oh, what? Who saw those oh, coming? Who saw them? My yeah, the fact that impugned. yeah, our ambassador was there two days ago and said it's okay, we don't care about Kuwait. Now you take Kuwait. I'm, sh- what? I'm shocked. What? Shocked. We are gearing up for war. Yes, yeah. this cannot stand. Yeah. Now the vote was oh sorry, but so famously at a press conference after the United Nations vote, Truman was asked by a reporter, "Would it be correct to call it a police action under the United Nations?" Truman yeah. agreed. Uh, a f- phrase he would come to regret. Now, the vote, of course, was a fluke of history, never to be repeated because the USSR wasn't there to veto it. Exactly. Um, You know, ever since then, in these sorts of issues, these sorts of situations where there are major powers on the sides of these smaller countries, Mm -hmm. they're going to veto this kind of stuff. But they got away with it this time because the Soviets 
uh, fucked up, basically. <laughs> they were like, ah, UN schmuen. Yeah. Truman told US Congress when he gave a speech after this that the North's attack on the South was the start of a communist scheme to take over the world. And they're starting That's in Korea. That's literally how okay. he sold it. Yeah, right. yeah. Because I mean, if I was going to take over the world, Korea is where I'd say there's a lot of great <laughs> food, uh, K-pop, right. uh, Gangnam Style. Uh, get that guy on board. Sai. Uh, yeah, now, all great films. Right. Uh, right. What was that film that won Academy Award a couple of years ago? Oh, um, um. oh, oh, Young Park Song, Young Park Sue, somebody Young Park Park. Uh, Peggy Sue got married. That was it, yeah. Anyway, good film. I liked it. Kind of a bit crazy, but I liked it. I like a lot of Korean films. South Korea. Uh, I haven't seen any North Korean films. South Korea today produced a lot of great films. Bleak. Bleak. They're all very fucking bleak, yes. All of their films are very bleak. Yeah. But I I like it. I just want to ask real quick. Do you think um, Truman gave that reporter a 20 or a 50 to go, excuse me, sir, uh, would you call this a police action? I'm just yeah, wondering yeah. how much money. I think it's a 50. There. Okay, yeah. 50. All right, sounds right. It's what we call It's what we call in Australia a Dorothy Dixer. Really? After I think, yeah, it was a journalist, I think, Dorothy Dix, back in, you know, decades ago, who was you know, would uh, ask uh, softball questions to politicians oh, that right. she knew they wanted to talk about. Oh, thank you, Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I appreciate that I'm question. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, How big is my dick? Well, thank you for asking that question. I'd like to, I'd like to, there's a lot of rumours out there. I'd just like to address those now. the uh, monitor out? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to put it on the screen here. Get, anyway. get the bigger monitor. Not that one, the bigger one. The bigger, the really big one. Come on. Yeah, really big one. In fact, just get a projector out of here. Zoom in this time. We talked about this. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. And the US and the UN both claimed it was a total surprise attack, much like Pearl Harbor. Of course, we know that neither of those were really surprises. Um, And in fact, as I mentioned last time, I remember on the day of the attack when journalists called the Pentagon... Uh, according to a newspaper report at the time, mm-hmm. an aide said privately that the United States had expected the attack. Ah. This officer uh, pointed to the fact that ships were ready to evacuate the families of American officers and others in South Korea as evidence that the invasion was not a surprise. I actually have this from The Age in Melbourne. Uh, this I've got a clipping here that I grabbed out of a newspaper. 27th of June, 1950, US may send arms to help Formosa. Uh, government officials said that one immediate result of the Korean invasion was expected to be a decision by cabinet to send large shipments of supplies to Formosa immediately. They said yeah. the United States could no longer afford to let any possible outposts in the Pacific fall now that the communists had shown their hand. And at the end of this article, it says, oh, look, the article next to it is step to early detection of heart disease. Well, yeah, now yeah. you fucking tell me. Should have told me that 20 years ago when I could have done something about it. It says one aide at the Department of Defense said right. that the U.S. had expected the attack and Rear Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter, big hilly, director of the Kia, said that his said that his agency was aware right. that conditions existed in Korea that could have meant an invasion any week. Right now, yeah, because the CIA and a lot of other places were saying, yeah, yeah, something, something's going to go, ha- something's going to happen, something's going to go down. MacArthur himself did not believe it, and because he was the big dog in Asia. 
it, it didn't it didn't go very far. But you're right. So just real quick. So Truman meets with uh, Atchison, his secretary of state. He goes, first of all, I want you to pull out all the, you know, this the war has already started. Pull out all the American civilians that there are there. The Supreme uh, Commander of Allied Powers, MacArthur, um, is going, is, should give Korea everything he possibly can of the Americans' weapons that are currently in Japan. Get them over there. And two, now MacArthur is to be officially in charge of protecting Formosa, Taiwan that you were mentioning earlier. This was not the policy before. This is now the policy because you've got this war. Truman, I don't don't know if I would say that he's overreacting, but he's like, that's it. We're covering everything. We're going to take on the North. We're going to watch Mao. We're going to, we're going to cover Formosa. We're going to put our American hero, MacArthur in charge. And so MacArthur is ramping up for this because he's been waiting for an opportunity to show everybody how tough he is. And here it is. And so Formosa has now got an American shield around it, and Mao Zedong is pissed as hell, but what is he going to do? As far as I know, he doesn't have a massive navy. No. Now, yeah. the question, of course, is if the US and South Korea were both expecting an attack, why right. weren't they better prepared for it? What else was John Foster Dulles looking at through his binoculars? Big titties? <laughs> right. Big North Big Korean North titties? titties. Well, like... <laughs> I've seen that they, as, right. as we saw in the previous episodes going a couple of years ago, they did yeah. know. Earlier in May, Syngman Rhee had made a request for the US for combat planes, and he said May and June may be the crucial period in the life of our nation. On May 10th, Captain Shin Shung Mo, the defence minister of South Korea, held a press conference in Seoul where right. he stated that the North Korean troops were moving in force towards the 38th parallel and there was an imminent danger of invasion from the North. Robert T. Oliver, an American advisor of Syngman Rhee's, wrote an article in the June 9th issue of a publication called Periscope in Asia. He warned that unless planes are sent promptly, the next Soviet advance in Asia could be down the Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. A month before the invasion, Brigadier William L. Roberts, who is then the head of the American military mission to South Korea, urged American-supplied air power for South Korea and spoke of danger if it wasn't forthcoming. On May 3rd, Senator Connolly, a Democrat from Texas and chairman of the Senate Relations Foreign Committee, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, gave an interview with the U.S. News & World Report. He was quoted as saying the Red would push the U.S. out of South Korea. When he was asked, but isn't Korea an essential part of the defense strategy? He replied, no. Of course, any position like that is of some strategic importance, but I don't think it's very greatly important. It has been testified before us that Japan, Okinawa, and the Philippines make the chain of defense, which is absolutely necessary. Right. So there were plenty of Americans and South Koreans who believed that there was going to be an attack. They were saying we should be ready for an attack, but they weren't ready for an attack. Now, why? Whether or not it was a complete failure on behalf sure. of the US and the South Koreans to prepare for this Not or first. right or if it was deliberately designed as an open invitation to Kim to invade we really don't have any evidence for we'll that either way. Yeah. Uh, gonna, but if yeah. the US wanted a justification to send more troops into Asia, they this would it. this was the perfect opportunity. It was uh yeah. Yeah. So so they absolutely got it. So so Truman can pretend to be shocked, gas, oh my God, we, we did nothing to antagonize these people. Now the communists are coming down. They're trying to take over this democratic, you know, it's got a president, it's got a constitution, it's got an assembly, it's got the support of Americans. And so now Truman's going to go uh, again to the United Nations. And on June 27th, 
The, the uh, UN resolution is asking all the various countries to help the Republic of Korea in any way, shape, or form. So if Truman is looking for a dramatic gesture, something where he goes, look, I, I didn't do anything to cause this. This was completely the aggression of the communists, and now we have to stop him. He's got what he needs. But it's still going to take time to ramp up, and he's still got 10 communist divisions pouring down uh, the uh, South Korean peninsula. So whatever he's going to do, he better do it quick. But thank God... He's got the one, the only, General fucking Douglas MacArthur on the scene who's going to take over and whoop ass. It's all going to be okay. It's going to be okay. My grandfather's uh, doppelganger. Yes, there we go. There we go. Now, the New York Times on the 27th of June, the same day as the vote uh, in the UN, said the unpopularity of the Syngman Rhee government and the questionable political and military liability of the army and police force are the greatest weakness of the defending forces. Yeah. Just yeah. pointing out, again, very unpopular even yeah. in South Korea. Syngman You're not Rhee. willing to die for someone you hate or despise or someone who has sent out thugs you know, bashing yeah. up heads. And, and there were like 89,000 arrests right after the election when he gets into power. He, he, he curtails the newspapers. He makes everybody kowtow the police, the constabulary. Uh, he starts busting heads. And if you're not a conservative, you're actually, your life becomes very much harder under the re-government. And so now that there's a war, you want us to fight for you or bleed for you or die for you? Fuck off. And so yeah. the South is losing. Exactly. Now, Whilst the U.S. didn't really care about Korea per se, mm -hmm. they couldn't stand by and allow an attack on their prestige. Bad optics. Dean Acheson, who was yeah. Truman's Secretary of State, gave a speech at the Washington National Press Club in January of 1950, seven right. months before all this happened, where he talked about the defined perimeter of America's vital interests in the Far East. As I said before, didn't even mention Korea. <laughs> Missed it. But he later, he later wrote, plainly this attack did not amount to a casus belli against the Soviet Union. Equally plainly, it was an open, undisguised challenge to our internationally accepted position as the protector of South Korea, an area of great importance to the security of American-occupied Japan. Right. To back away from this challenge in view of our capacity for meeting it would be highly destructive of the power and prestige of the United States. So that is what it all came down to, at least yeah. for Dean Acheson. Yeah. And we have to assume for the Truman administration, it was a threat to their occupation of Japan and their ability to use the base, the occupation of Japan in the Pacific. If the Soviets ended up having friendly powers controlling all of Korea, it's easy to right. get out and block any naval action or, or airplanes coming out of Japan, a lot mm -hmm. easier. Anyway. Yeah, it's really close. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they can, they could potentially attack Japan from the north or Vladivostok on the yeah. west side of Japan and, and Korea up from the south. So it was about the prestige of the United States, though. Well, you know, it was like basically yeah. slapped with a glove. They, it, right. it, was a, it, was a, it was a duel. Yes. You know, you it was like Harvey Kind. my honor, sir. Yeah. Harvey Keitel and uh, <laughs> David, no, Keith Carradine. Right. In The Duelists, Ridley Scott's uh, 1977 film set in Napoleonic France. Uh, you ever seen that? Kind of good. I don't, don't remember. Yeah. Is it Kind of good? good. It's basically good. about a couple of soldiers in right. Napoleon's army that uh, get into a duel situation over a woman 
and over an insult, really, about a woman. Right. And then uh, they have the duel, I think, initially, and Harvey Keitel gets shot but not killed. And then, like, over the next 30 years, whenever they end up in the same city, they have to redo the duel every oh. time. It's just like this constant... Harvey Keitel's like, fuck it, no, you besmirched my honour, I want, you know, right. reparations. Satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I saw another good film, completely nothing to do with any of this, but uh, <laughs> a film I'd never even really heard of before when I watched the other day, uh, The Little Girl Who Lived Down the Lane, uh-huh. 1977, again, Jodie Foster and Martin Sheen film. She was 13, uh, sort of a murder mystery kind right. of thing. He plays a pedophile, Martin Sheen, really good seeing President Bartlett as a young pedophile. <laughs> Jodie Foster was 13, playing a you know, girl who lives by herself, being chased by a pedophile. Um, really wow. fucking good, really good, really challenging, good film. Jodie Foster was fucking so amazing as a child actor. Right. Like, if you were anyway, enough of that. Martin Sheen's agent, would you go, I don't think this is a role you should do. Of course, it was the 70s. It wasn't like we're hypersensitive. Yeah, being a pedophile was cool back then. But was it? Was it? I stand corrected. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anything goes. So Atchison roped in the British, Australians, French, and Canadians to send troops. 16 nations contributed troops to the UN command, but 40% of them were South Korean and 50% of them were Americans. Yes. The rest of us just went, oh, yeah, yeah, look, we'll send five guys and a a dog. Is that right? (laughs) It's a donkey. Just so we can say, it's the way we always get involved in your wars usually. Yeah, like we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll send someone, but just so we can say we were there, you exactly. know, it's like Take a photo. I turn up to people's parties and I right. leave after 10 minutes, but right. at least I was there, yeah. you know. Shake hands. I, I turned up. Fuck off and walk yeah, away. Yeah, and I exactly. sneak off out of the back. Yeah. By the end of the Korean War, 17,000 Australians had served between 50 and 53, mm. 339 dead and 1,200 wounded. Right. In total, 4 million people died, including <sighs> 35,000 Americans. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Truman told the British Prime Minister Clement Attlee, the only way to meet communism is to eliminate it. Mm. So that's Truman's policy. It's not about containment or coexistence. Right. It's about elimination. Now, the other way I would position that is he wanted to take over the world. Who, Truman. saying he wanted, well, if someone's got to take over the world, better us than them. We're the good guys, Right. Right? Of course you are. Okay. Yeah. But this is important. Yeah. Truman's view, and he communicated this to the Prime Minister of Britain at the time, was to eliminate, he wanted to eliminate communism. Right. That's a world domination strategy. Mm. We always hear that the Soviets had a world domination strategy, and, and we know that they they didn't, they didn't. I mean, theoretically, yes. The the plan was to convert all of the world's countries to communism for, you know, uh, econo, socioeconomic, philosophical reasons, build a better world, et cetera, et cetera, partly. Also partly so they could build a communist trading bloc. Um, Also so they could eliminate the potential military threat of attacks from capitalist powers. But that wasn't their plan at the time. Stalin you know, we know for a fact, had no plans for global domination at that point and and never did. Like in terms of literal, hey, this is, you know, we've got a timeline here and here's how we're gearing up. Because they couldn't. They were weak. They had nothing. They were broke, 20 million dead after World War II. 
etc., uh, etc. Et they had enough yeah. problems as it was. Famines, all that kind of jazz. Oh, yeah. And um, Max Hastings made the point that if Stalin had known about NSC-68, he would not have given his probably tacit approval to Kim Il-sung to go use my equipment, you son of a bitch, and uh, take over Korea. So if he had known that, he ran that, not worth it, not worth it. And But he yeah. didn't know, and so he... Again, we don't think that he led the charge. We think he said, I will allow it. If Kim thinks he knows what he's doing and he can do it really quickly and and bury this thing so it doesn't doesn't spread, I'll allow it. And that's as far as Stalin. Now, we know that, we talked about this in a show recently, Khrushchev Mm -hmm. later on said that Stalin was terrified of getting involved in a war with the United States, particularly because of their, uh, when they had nuclear superiority. At this time, the Soviets do have the bomb. Yeah. But they've got one. Right? Yeah. They don't have many. So he still doesn't really want to get right. into a war with the US. It's not worth it. Uh, but for whatever reason, they, he and Kim and Mao seem to think that the US really wouldn't care too much if Kim took the rest of Korea. Right. I've got to speed through this because I'm going to be on another call in two minutes. Go ahead. So Douglas MacArthur was to lead the forces. He was 70. He's already the Supreme Commander of the Allied Powers or SCAP. Yeah. during the Allied occupation of Japan following World War II. And, you know, despite the fact that the U.S. population wanted to bring all of their troops home after World War II, they were very enthusiastic about getting involved in a war in Korea. That's what five years of anti-communist propaganda can do exactly. for you. They, they the New York Times the on communists. the 30th... Yeah, the New York Times on the 30th of June was headlined, Democracy Takes Its Stand! <laughs> and... Said that uh, Truman called Truman's momentous and courageous act, and uh, welcomed the revision of the American policy in the Far East that helped to lose China. Right. Yeah. But Middle America seemed very, very, very much in support of the war. Uh, this is a quote uh, mm-hmm. from the British ambassador Oliver Franks. He sent this to London. The average American is pleased that the United States has for once boldly taken the initiative, proud that it has called the Soviet bluff and won't let them get away with it. Virtually all shades of opinion wholeheartedly support the president. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens when people start, when American troops start dying. But that's in the future. Well, we're going to have to leave it there because I've got stuff to do. Uh, We'll be back next time with uh, what happens next. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. 